0: Welcome to Massive Late V, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late V. My name's Mark. With me as always is my far out sister child girlfriend, Carol. How
1: you doing, Carol? I'm groovy, baby. How you doing? <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm I'm copacetic. It's August 30th, 1972, and we got some news for y'all. We watched a movie. We, uh, you know, we,
1: we, we. yeah, we 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 watched a movie. Oh my, did we watch a movie? <laughs> some people walked out of the theater while we we're watching this movie. Oh, you got
0: to tell yourself it's only a movie. That's that's what they say in the uh, those advertisements, just keep repeating to yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the only way to get through it. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, first we're going to start with a little bit of news here. Okay. Uh, that cat Bobby Fischer is uh, close to winning another uh, chess title. I don't know if you heard about this. He uh, uh, he accepted Boris Spassky's offer of a draw in their, after 40 moves in their 19th game. Of the World Chess Championships, and he's one and a half points away from becoming the first American World Champion in modern times. What do you think about that?
1: How old is he?
0: Oh, he's a young he's a young cat. I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's a young guy.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: Phenom Robert Fisher, I think they call him
1: Robert Fisher.
0: Well, that's his guy. That's his name, right, Bobby? Sure,
1: Bobby. You want to call him Bobby? Sure, Mark uh, Tholomew. Wow, what? Marcus. <laughs> I was trying to think. Wow. Oh,
0: man, you went out on a limb on that one.
1: I was trying to think, what could Mark, Mark be for for?
0: Tholomew. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, lots of news about Nixon, you know, that whole Watergate thing and everything. Oh, but, yeah. You know, we're not, we don't really get into politics, everybody. Uh, you know, GOP does GOP things, but uh, I do got to bring... Bring the mood down just a little bit. Uh, North Vietnam seized uh, uh, the the town of Quy Son Valley, uh, south of Da Nang, uh, recently. I mean that you know we don't talk about uh, politics, but uh, I'm sure all you that listen to the show know how we feel about this this uh, snafu in Vietnam.
1: I just want everybody to come back here. We ain't fans. That's how I feel.
0: That's right. I did read a story that, uh, that maybe they're going to stop the draft
1: there. They better. Go to
0: a volunteer army. So
1: I can't even. Like, I, God, what if you got drafted? I can't even imagine.
0: Oh, man. I'm too old or young to get drafted or, a, or a different age. Maybe I'm, right. <laughs> maybe I'm right in the age to get drafted. We don't know. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you, though. Uh, so... Last week's question. Every every week they they you know they ask a question every day they ask a question in the newspaper, and uh, today's question was: Should Red China be allowed to participate in the Olympics? Because you know the, the, the Olympics, seventy two Olympics right now, and everything going on, and and apparently seventy eight seventy one point two percent of people said, yeah, why not, yeah. Thought the Olympics were for everybody. Exactly. They would have just as good a chance to win. They would win the karate matches. (laughs) Yes, but what is wrong with Rhodesia? Let's wake up and let the 750 million Chinese into the world. Uh, 28% said no. All they can do is insult us. So the less we have to do with them, the better. It's a political rat race. Only when they stop the war in Vietnam... Uh, Tomorrow's question, one Detroit miss says only single women over 30 use the title Miz because they've missed marriage.
1: (gasps) Do you agree? Wow. (laughs) That's Ah! (laughs) that's so upsetting.
0: (laughs) You You are totally scandalized there, Carol. I am.
1: That's an awful thing to say. What do you think
0: about that? Over 30 miss a missed marriage <laughs> speaking of of marriage though so i guess you don't agree you say no huh carol
1: i say no all right i say uh get with the times
0: you know how the newspaper are They're
1: they they're, they're not in touch with the youth culture they're old yeah exactly they're old men exactly. just sitting around that's, talking shit about women that's right oh, yeah yeah i don't know
0: if you all are aware but there's a women's section to the newspaper women's news
1: oh no it's like a
0: three-page section of the newspaper
1: (laughs) what's in it cooking tips cleaning tips
0: uh there was one story about a woman who uh she's breastfeeding her adopted child Ew. uh there was uh there was story about there was about fashion uh there was some stories about women making gains in the corporate world okay all that kind of stuff but yeah women's stuff Ah, let's see now. 50-ish swinger outpaces husband. This is uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers here. Dear Dr. Brothers, I've always been considered a swinger, even in college. I liked good times and good healthy sex. In my middle 50s now, I'm still the same old girl. Unfortunately, my husband, exactly my age, is an old man as far as sex is concerned. He says that I nag him so much he's lost interest but the truth is, he thinks he's past the age when sex is normal.
1: Oh wow! What
0: do you think about that?
1: Is there such an age?
0: Not to me, because
1: that seems insane. <laughs> we're not at that age. We're at a different age. That just seems insane, though. Like you're never going to not want to have sex.
0: You no, know, I understand. I, I, I don't. I don't know why you would. I don't know why you wouldn't want to have sex either.
1: I mean, like I worked in a nursing home for a little bit, and some of those people were definitely still interested. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, sometimes, of course, you know, you get to the point where, as uh, a man, you just can't anymore. But
1: yeah, maybe that's what's going on, and he's trying to act like Ooh. like it's something else because he's embarrassed.
0: Joyce Brothers says your husband may not may have may have lost interest for several reasons. Many men go through cyclic changes that have termed the male menopause. Uh, in most cases, lack of interest in sex is psychological rather than physiological. Some men carry from childhood the belief that sex is valid only if it can be justified as a means of procreation. Once his wife can no longer bear children, a man may feel guilty about his interest in sex and may feel he has lost his ability for intercourse. This happens in cases where female interest has increased. In all marriages, there is some role reversal. During the middle or late years, a man may assume more of the characteristics society has assigned to women and the women may take on what is customarily thought of as the masculine, aggressive mindset. This need not kill sex, but it may require change in the sexual pattern. Sure. So, you know, I think that's pretty uh, pretty nifty advice there from Dr. JB.
1: <laughs> yeah, she got it right this time.
0: Let's see here. I don't even remember what this story is. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <clears throat> so new, uh, new fashion. Okay. Oh, coming down the pike there, uh, Carol. Tiny braids and twists are on the way. Hmm. Hair trends for the young and swinging are as likely to start on the heads of adventurous fashion models as in the top beauty salon now. Once a pretty mannequin begins getting bored with her long, straight hair.
1: A pretty mannequin begins yep. to get bored? Are they talking about the model? <laughs> I think they so. Are they calling the models mannequins? I believe,
0: I believe they are, Carol.
1: What the fuck?
0: Her layered cut or her natural, she starts experimenting. The most recent result is headfuls of tiny braids and twists being sported by teen models. Like this right here. You can't see them, but tiny braids and twists on Mona Gilbert and Joyce Walker.
1: I mean, that's cute. Sure.
0: I get more action from my hair when it when it's braided. Uh,
1: well, yeah, when you undo the braids later, then it's all like luffy
0: Mona Gilbert says, when she twirls, the braids stand out around her head. For her, the braids are also a method of setting the hair to achieve a crimped look the uh-huh. following day. That's what I said. <laughs> exactly. For black mannequins like New Yorker choice Walker. The tiny twists of hair provide something new to do with a natural style. Margie Smith, assistant beauty editor of Seventeen, says the current rush towards masses of braids is a takeoff on the cornrow braids black girls have been crisscrossing atop their heads during the past year.
1: Interesting. Should I start braiding my hair in little braids? Would you like that?
0: I don't know. You are a beautiful mannequin there. <laughs>
1: That is so weird.
0: Is it or is it completely normal?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. Eh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure either, but I feel like it's just another old outdated man thing. I think it's
0: kinda I think it's kinda weird. It seems like a holdover from it seems like something that uh I don't know, like uh you know, Dean Martin or uh or uh, Frank Sinatra would say, like, uh, you know, they're they're kind of that sort of our parents' generation or a different age, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, they're still popular, obviously, but like, you know, more for the older set. You know, we're more into to rock and roll and, and all right. that stuff.
1: That makes sense.
0: Uh, anyway, so <laughs> as we do every week, we'll we'll finish up before we talk about the movie with. Uh, a uh, little, some of the news from the entertainment page of Sunday's paper. Um, what do you think about Detroit bootleggers smuggling along with Cheech and Chong? Uh, aimless wandering in Detroit's downtown area normally takes me to Ross Records, which has an excellent collection of early jazz, my Bix uh, Biter, Biter Beck collection, has been greatly augmented there, and a nice selection of imported rock and roll. But on Friday, there was a new kind of sound coming from behind the panes of glass. It was laughter, a lot of it. I slipped in the door and found perhaps half a dozen onlookers roaring while somebody on a cassette demo machine was playing his very own bootleg of the previous evening's Cheech and Chong concert. The pair had filled ford auditorium almost to capacity for two shows on thursday night my professional reaction to the bootleg brought on by all kinds of articles decrying the nefarious habit in such showbiz trades as billboard was one of horror privately i thought to myself dummy why didn't you think of that (laughs) it's not actually necessary to bootleg a cheech and chong concert all you need is a keen memory and well (laughs) that might be hard if you're At a Cheech and Chong concert.
1: have a good memory.
0: Right? And two hours with two zanies from Los Angeles will give you more than enough material to put out your own comedy LP. (laughs) What do you think of that? Cheech and Chong in concert.
1: Um, Yeah, I agree with you that it would be impossible to uh, remember much.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, Here's some of the theater things coming to us. Uh, This is local news, everybody, so if you're listening from faraway land, sorry. Um, Gladys Knight, the Pips, will be at the Fisher Theater with the Dells. Uh, We've got Charles uh Gordon's Pulitzer Prize play, No Place to Be Somebody. Uh, We've got, let's see, at the D-Space Playhouse, we've got Mojo. Uh, And then Summerstock, we've got Joanne Worley uh, of Laughing. Uh great show, laughing, you know. Rowan and Martin's laughing. You you know all about it.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course.
0: And then uh we've got uh a few different things. So uh WRAF and Bob Badgerus presents Joe Cocker at the uh Mark Allman Patio. At the Ford Auditorium, we've got uh, Ginger Baker and Buddy Miles uh with Nazareth. Uh, at Cobo Hall Black Sabbath playing with Edgar Winter.
1: Hey, you know what I heard about back Black Sabbath? What'd you hear? If you play their record backwards, they're actually worshiping Satan.
0: Oh my goodness. Really?
1: That's what my friend said. I'm I'm a little scared to try it. Osberth Osborne or whatever his name is. <laughs>
0: that is interesting. Uh, and then, of course, Edgar Winter, I think he's an uh, albino or something like that. Uh then we've got uh, yes, also playing with Leon Russell, and if you want to go to the Michigan Palace, uh, WRF is presenting. The Riff is presenting the Doors. Uh, we'll I want
1: to sp- go see the Doors. We'll
0: special guest Ursula Major. Yeah, I mean, well, we got plenty of time to see the Doors. You know,
1: the Doors are awesome. But
0: that's uh, that is the entertainment news, Carol. And I guess at this period in time. We should talk about the uh, the film we saw. The Last House on the Left.
1: Now, I their house? said that I wanted to see this movie because I thought it would be, yeah like, a scary movie.
0: Scar- yeah, psychological thriller. But
1: I didn't understand that they meant, like, scary in the way that I'll never sleep again and um, never walk anywhere by myself or look at strangers or ever uh yeah feel safe (laughs) yeah
0: well now carol i think this this movie does two things in Mm -hmm. my opinion first of all first time director uh wesley craven or whatever his name is Mm -hmm. and then produced by apparently their buddies sean s cunningham they did uh some movie called together they weren't working in uh they were working in porn movies before, okay. or something like that. Like, that makes sense. Well, so this is an exploitation film. You know, I, you are familiar with exploitation films. They take some some element of uh, like so the the older films. You know that they people like or whatever. They take one element of that and they they exploit it. So there's like the black exploitation films, which are all about black culture, black people, stuff like that. You know, this one is uh, an exploitation film in, in like the sex crime kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is his first movie. He wrote it and directed it. Um, I liked this movie. I think that... You liked I this think movie?
1: you did not like this movie. I did not like this movie, no.
0: But one thing that I really liked about this film is, if you think about the... Um, I mean, obviously you've got movies like Night of the Living Dead came out about uh, three, four years ago. Mm, which I love. <laughs> um And that's sort of a leap forward for the horror genre, Mm -hmm. and um, more naturalistic, more real shot. This same vein as this, even though this movie is clearly inspired by the Virgin Suicide or Virgin, uh, the Virgin Spring, Mm -hmm. Ingmar Bergman's movie from like ten years ago, Mm -hmm. because it's the same. And that's based on a Swedish folk tale. I can't remember Peter Tor or something like that. Okay, Um, but basically in that movie. Uh, a young girl leaves her castle to go to the market or something like that I think or whatever and she gets abducted raped and killed you know during the the uh, the time uh, by these three people uh, including a young boy who like is horrified about the crime and then uh, the people end up spending the night at the castle of her parents they discover her like bloody clothes or whatever and then the, the dad gets revenge and kills all three of them, like, in very bloody ways. And that's the Ingmar Burkman okay. movie. It's the exact
1: same plot. Yeah, it is. Exactly.
0: I mean, there's different, like you know, there's modern, like, things that they put on well, it. Well, yeah, they were the going to
1: a concert, and it's not a castle. They
0: were looking to buy pots, not, yeah. you know, go to the, the whatever. Um, But, yeah, so it's... And apparently, uh, they were going to make this into a porno movie, originally. What? That's what it was going to be. Like, not not rape revenge, but the same kind of story structure, but as a porno movie. And then they decide. And then Wes Craven was like, uh, so I guess the international uh, Hallmark, you know, who put out the distributed this movie was like, why don't you try a horror movie? And so Wes Craven was like, OK, I'm going to rework this as a horror. And that's how we got this movie.
1: Did they already film it? Did they just edit out no, some things? No, or?
0: this was during the writing stage. OK. Um, but, uh, so, what I like about this movie is if you think about movies from, like, ten years ago, because we're obviously, we're going through some kind of change here in the movie industry. Uh, you look at, like, movies like Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs, you look at movies like that, they're getting more gritty. Everything's more realistic. If you look at, like, those big movie musicals and stuff from the, like, ten years ago and everything, um less than 10 years ago, really. I mean, uh, Sound of Music was, what, seven years ago? Uh, everything, it feels staged. Like, it's like going to, a, it's like just filming a play. Everything feels so artificial. Mm-hmm. It's the way everything's shot, the the singing, like, everything about it is really artificial. If you look at a movie like this, it seems so real. Yeah. That's what... I think really succeeds about this and the way that uh Craven moves the camera around um you know to to kind of uh heighten the tension. This was a really tense movie.
1: Oh, like, very tense movie, yes.
0: Like for for a lot of the movie I was like on edge. Um but yeah, it's it, everything's shot really naturalistically. So there's it lighting-wise There's almost no artificial light in the entire movie. It's natural lighting. Lighting in the room or lighting outside. um, And just the way everything's framed, it's very... And the acting, too, is... It's not stilted. It doesn't feel like... uh, It doesn't feel artificial to me.
1: I think the acting was awful. I disagree. There are
0: some some people that aren't great actors. I mean,
1: like... The girls don't seem scared enough at all when they're first being abducted. Yeah, I guess that's true. The the main character towards the end, when, like, her last scene of the movie, I think she did a fantastic job. Yeah. yeah, Pretty much everything before that, I think she sucked. Eh, She did, did, like, traumatized well. Uh huh. She didn't do anything else well.
0: All right. I mean, like, you can make some. I guess you can have some criticism. The part of the movie I didn't think that worked at all was the cops.
1: Oh, the cops were ridiculous. The movie was ridiculous. The, the, you're talking about it felt so real. It didn't. It felt like a farce. The movie felt like a farce. And then all of a sudden you're dropped out of the farce into this like dark horror thing. And, and then you're back into like de-dum-dum-dum. I don't know. And, and the music is so jarring because it's so happy. I don't, know. I don't think it felt real at all.
0: The music, I think, is a deliberate choice. So the music, I think, is to juxtapose with what's going on. Because I think there are two major themes running through this movie. The first one, I think, is what's on the surface of society and what's underneath the surface of society. Mm-hmm. So you have the music, I guess the dumb cops are part of this, uh, of the veneer of society, everything looks happy, everything looks cool. You know, it's like it's all you know this stuff. the The, the song because they're singing about the gang and everything. It reminds me of like Bonnie and Clyde, uh-huh. or, or like even older ones, like Depression era, like Dillinger and stuff like that, bank robbers, where they're like. Let's sing a song about, oh, you know, they're getting back at the society and everything, like, you know, like, and everything's all happy. But the reality is that Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde, are fucking murderers. You know? Yeah. Like, Bonnie and Clyde killed people. And, like, we see that movie, you know, the Bonnie and Clyde movie that came out with Warren Beatty and everything. And, um, you see, uh, you know, you hear, like, the songs and stuff like that from the 30s. And it's like, oh, they're just good old, but they're not. You know, Mm-mm. and I think that's part of what this movie's saying. Like there's that song of like, oh, they're just on the road and like whatever, you know, they're, they're up to shenanigans and stuff. But what they're really doing is this shit, mm-hmm. which is horrible. Um, so I think that's one of the themes. And I think the music is meant to represent that. What's on the surface and how it all feels or looks and then what's underneath in society. Because they go into the city, they go into uh, the, the under- lion's den. Exactly. So it's like I think that's I think that's part of it. Second uh theme I think is trust and misplaced trust or how like how trust can be very bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the two the two girls trust that that guy that's like oh I've got pot come back to uh to my place. They trust that he's a cool cat. Which is stupid. And he wasn't, you know? And then the parents trust that these people are nice people. Invite them into their home and everything, and they weren't nice people. No. So, I think that's a big. I think that's a big uh, part of it too.
1: So, like this last house on the left. Yeah. That must, like you said, must be the parents' house. I guess so. Because they never really say and it. Nothing else is explained. Huh. Um, they're surrounded by woods. It, it would seem. Yeah, I think they're in Jersey. So yeah, it's weird. Like the. <laughs> They're, they come from the city,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yet end up right in front of her parents' house and out in the woods.
0: Oh, I guess you know what? I guess they must be upstate. Not, yeah. Now that I think about that it, that makes sense because uh, they talked about how the gang is like trying to make their way to Canada. Okay. So from from New York City, you, you know, you go upstate towards uh, towards the Canadian border, I guess. So yeah, they're they're upstate. That makes sense. Um, we're not super familiar with. Uh, with Mich- with uh, New York, geography no. being here in Michigan, everybody. But but I'm pretty sure that's what uh, that's what it's supposed to be. Maybe even into like Connecticut area or whatever you know. Um, I think that's where they filmed some of this was in Connecticut, so makes a lot of sense too. But yeah, I mean, there are things there are things I didn't like about the movie, but there are things I think maybe uh, the incompetence of authority is part of it too. Yeah, which is why the cops are so dumb in the movie. So I mean, I like I get that theme wise and everything. Um, there is some bad acting in the movie too. There's also a little bit of clunky writing. Like at the very beginning, uh, they're they're like, "Hey, there's fucking escaped convicts. There's a radio mm. <laughs> just just like giving us a bunch of information we need." Where it's like, "Hey, guess what? There's a bunch of escaped convicts out there. Let me tell you exactly who they are, and let me tell you their whole lives." It's right. Like, it's like. Uh, Here's this guy, He's he's been known to to rape uh, people, he's a pedophile, he's a piece of shit, whatever. And it's like, here's this guy, uh, he's a killer and everything, his name's Krug. Um, <laughs> like, they might as well have just, might as well have just been during the credits right. when they show his picture or whatever. And uh, they're like, he's got a son, he got his own son hooked on heroin, what do you think about that, folks? <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, they just...
1: Wait, the old guy was Krug? I thought the younger guy was Krug, the one who actually raped her was Krug.
0: Yeah, the one that then. actually
1: raped her is Krug. Okay, so the, the, it's not the, the older. The old guy's
0: the pedophile.
1: Okay, who hook, hit, hooked his son on heroin?
0: No, Krug's the one that's uh, supposed. Krug's uh, supposed
1: to be the father.
0: Supposedly, he's the father of that the young kid, the one that like was like you know screaming and like, "Oh, I'm so sorry" and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's supposed to be his son.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, even though they're even though
0: those actors are probably like the same <laughs> separated age? by three years.
1: Yeah, that was some bad casting.
0: Um, but yeah, that's supposed to be his son. That's why they kept calling him Junior and all that stuff.
1: Huh. Um, well, I knew they were. Cl- I knew so. one of them was his dad. Just...
0: But yeah, so uh, so they go through the whole thing. It's like I, I expected them. Like I made a joke and they leaned over to you in theater when they're doing it. And I was like, they were like, and this is the son, and he's he loves heroin. I'm like, and I leaned over and I'm like, his favorite color is blue. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> it's like. That was very clunky. That was not how you want to write a scene to incorporate that. I mean, obviously, that information's information we need, although we didn't need to know that they kicked a German shepherd to death or whatever. Like, we would eventually understand when they started raping the people and making them do a bunch of weird shit. Um, we'd start to understand what, uh, you know, how brutal they were or whatever.
1: It's weird they described the girl with them as animalistic because she wasn't No, not anyway. She did not
0: she did not yeah, she didn't.
1: I mean, she was a brutal person. I guess. I mean, she was the one who suggested they go get girls. So, that's she was, true. you know. Yeah. But uh I didn't think she acted animalistic and
0: at any point. No, I mean the, the one girl took her down. Like tackled her and shit. <laughs> yeah. What she did, I was thinking what an animal. Right? <laughs> but I do think that they like There are things I would change about this movie, not that I'm, you know, I mean, this guy's a first time director, anybody, who knows, like, this fucking Craven guy might never do anything again, like, uh, whatever, this movie, but this movie is doing well, so, but uh, um, I thought to myself, all of a sudden, like, they're in the woods, they kill the two girls, uh, and then they show up at the house, like, it's like cut from her dying in the, the river or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then we cut, and they're there. Like, she's talking to the the old man, and she's like, hey, you know, Dad or whatever, there's some people here, and we come out, and it's them. I was like, that's not the way to reveal that. You know how you reveal that cinematically? There's a knock on the door, and she's like, oh, maybe that's the police officers. Maybe they found something or whatever. They open the door, camera reveals the Mm -hmm. the guy. That's how you reveal that. And it's like, oh, shit, what's he doing here? What the fuck's going on? And then he's like, oh, man. You know, he puts on a, a you know, a, a farce or whatever. And he's like, we need a place to stay. Can you help us out? And then we're like, we're sitting there like, no, don't help him. Yeah. That, that, that's how you do that.
1: What do you think would have happened, though? They would have just shoved their way and killed him if they said no.
0: Well, yeah, but I'm saying that's what I'm saying is the way you that's how you reveal it. You yeah. Don't just yeah. Cut, you don't just cut from. She's dying to all of a sudden they're in the house already. Yeah. You cut from the knocking on the door. You cut from us saying, like, who's that? Is that the cops finally there? Because the cops are trying to get there, too. Maybe she says, oh, it must be the cops. Maybe they know something or whatever. And then they open the door and it's them.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: then, and then we know something she doesn't know. And then that creates more tension. It, placing them right over there, like right there instantly, cutting from the killing to, like, now they're there, that's too abrupt and then we're just like, "Oh, what what's, wait? Why are they there? What's going on?" Yeah. And then, then we're like, "Oh my God, you know, but it's not as much tension as if, as if we see her see them for the first time. We miss that scene, that meeting scene. Yeah. And so I think that, that would have been better. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. But most of the critics are on your side, it's getting
1: destroyed. I mean, yeah, I just think it was too much. I think it was too too brutal. It was too much to put on the screen, and especially like especially the end with the with Mary Marie, Marie, what, Marie? Mary what Mary M A R I Mary. I mean, like they fucking carved his yeah. name into her and then raped her. Yeah, yeah. like it's awful. It's fucking awful.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. It was. But that's the thing. Like, I think. They wanted it to go so far so that once the the parents start getting revenge, it's like you're like, yeah, like, like you're rooting for the parents. Like if they just let's say they, they met him or whatever, there's no rape or, or anything like that. There's no carving names. There's no knives of any kind. They're just like, you're our hostages now. You're going to be our ticket to get to Canada. And they try to run away, and they're just like, fuck this. And they just shoot him. They just shoot him dead. Mm-hmm. And then the parents are biting dicks off of, of guys and carving into other guys and fucking like chainsawing guys. And, you know, like, we'd be like, holy fuck, this is an overreaction. Like, yeah. it would be, it would be like the parents would seem like the bad guys. I guess. Because what they did is so brutal, and we see the brutality of it. It makes their the parents' victory, you know, it's a Pyrrhic victory, but their victory uh, that much more cathartic for us.
1: So what do you think happens to the parents, though? Because it just ends with, like, them looking exhausted and they've killed them all. I feel like they're still going to go to prison or something. <laughs> Probably
0: go to jail. I mean, well, they know the cops, I guess. So, like, maybe they could do something where it's, like, so, uh, self-defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's but it partially. I don't think they're going to get away with that. Look at how he set up traps all over the house. <laughs> That's not like self-defense. He that did. is premeditated murder.
0: He did. He he, he sprayed uh, his shaving cream on the floor so they slip. He set up wires and stuff. He really like Vietnamed this house, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was weird. Um, uh-huh. And what was up with the mom? Like basically, like fucking this guy and then ripping off his dick. Well, like she was, she was. Well, she was sucking performing his dick.
0: fellatio yeah. on the man.
1: Yes, but I'm just saying, like he was getting close. Like, why would you let it go that far? Just do it. Just yeah. rip it off.
0: You've got you've got uh, your mouth right there. Just like yeah.
1: But then that yeah, was just disturbing was as hell. It. I'm like, is she really going to let him come? <laughs>
0: Oh my god, that was funny as hell though. <laughs> like I almost like it's funny in retrospect. It was brutal at the time though. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Um But I, I think like I said, I think this movie does a lot of things that movies today don't do. I think it was very the way it was shot, I mean you can talk about the acting. Yeah, some of the acting was bad. Uh I mean they 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 had a bunch of it's a bunch of unknown people. There was a, some people from uh um Soap operas oh, right. in the in the movie, but like other than that, I mean it's a bunch of unknown people. Um, but at least the way it was shot and the cinematography very natural, sure, which I think works well. Uh, and then it all seems very realistic, and it you know gives an emotional response. So I think a lot of the way it was filmed and everything was really cool. Uh, and I thought it was, it, it worked for me. Um, but like I said, there, I mean, there, there's definitely things I'd change and there's things that I, that I, that don't work a hundred percent for me about the movie, but I think for the most part it works.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I guess I'll have to say it, it sticks with you Yeah, and that's usually the sign of, you know, good art, but, uh, I would not recommend it. Honestly, just because for me it was too upsetting, I didn't enjoy the experience.
0: Well, it's an upsetting movie. You gotta, you gotta know going into it. It's, it's an upsetting film. It's not, uh, you know, imagine like uh, they, they make this movie with um, Shirley Jones, Shirley Jones and Gordon McRae in a rape revenge story. You know, like it would be very different. Yeah, they'd film it very differently. Everything. That's what I'm saying. Like if this was a you know 1962 MGM film uh, it'd be very different than this sure everything would be implied and it would be like it would be bloodless you know this is I think the brutality a feature not a bug of the this
1: they ramp it up like because uh, initially it was just implied I was like yeah. kind of relieved I thought yeah. okay well I heard it was really uh brutal but maybe it's not so brutal
0: well there's multiple rape scenes in the multiple movies. yes so that's that's a big part of it too but yeah it's uh it's a tough watch but like i said if you can if you can get through that i think it's i think it's worth it and it's definitely it's definitely a horrifying movie
1: <laughs> for sure
0: but uh that is the episode all you uh cool cats and kittens uh carol why don't you um Tell people uh, to share yeah. th- these these uh, tapes tapes with their friends.
1: <laughs> yes, you can share them. Share the real to real with your yeah, friends. There you go.
0: <laughs> but uh, other than that, we will see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.